This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baby back door, baby fall off. Snipping codeine cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. There's the blitz. Touchdown, Lehman. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Williams got him on the blitz. Lehman on the pick. OU is going to win it again. Peterson's got it. He's got a first down and more. High step and touchdown, Adrian Peterson. To the end zone, Baker Mayfield. You're listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program's moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Parker Thune, and it is game week number dos, or duh, depending on which language you want to use, whether you're Spanish or French or, or two. It's week two if you're English. We're English. But anyways, hey, it's OU Kent State weekend, and I... Uh, Oklahoma's looking to go 2-0. and Brent Venables is looking to start or finish off that win streak that he started as the head coach at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, well, I, you'd hope uh, he's no, not no, finishing no. off the win streak. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Not finish off the win streak, but he wants to continue the win streak. That's true. There you go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, Oklahoma beat UTEP 45-13 to last weekend. It was a uh, snoozer. At some some points in capacities of the game, um, workmanlike is probably yeah, the best yeah, word. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a that's a better word. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, this weekend, I think Oklahoma fans are going to be shocked how good Kent State is. I really do. I don't think that they're head and shoulders better than UTEP, but I don't think. I think for the first quarter, or potentially, let me say, potentially the first quarter, 
I think you're going to see some pretty good football before Oklahoma just drills them second and third quarter and then plays all their uh, backups and younger guys in the fourth quarter. So that's just my my opinion on how this game. Because you're talking about a program that has competed in the MAC, played for the MAC title, won their bowl game last year, scared the living crap out of Texas A&M last year. It was 10-13 at halftime last year at halftime in college station. And we're talking about the same Texas A&M program that beat Alabama the following week, I believe. So this is, it's a different, they're just not, they're one of the better run programs in the country too. At least they were last year. They have a really good quarterback, can run, can throw. Um, They are a P5 program, folks. That's not what I'm getting at here. But I think, honestly, I'm just excited for the atmosphere. If I'm going to be honest, I'm literally kind of bearing the lead here because we get to see the LED lights this weekend. <laughs> I think that's... Come on. That is that's probably the biggest thing that's going on this weekend. Is, oh, in my life, certainly it is. I'm stoked to see how much easier it is to take photos in a nighttime environment than it was with the uh, the old light banks at Owen Field. Oh, I, I think all reporters are. I think for us, I think the TV people are probably excited about it. I think us up in the press box where it doesn't look like they've got a bunch of flashlights coming down from the stands playing like trying to trying to follow the ball. It's not the easiest thing to see when you're way up there because the lights suck or sucked. They sucked past tense because they fixed them this year. And I'm excited to see the intro at night where it's like boom, 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 and all the flashing. Uh, honestly, I really do believe in the, I'm not, I'm not even joking Parker when I say this, like this is all seriousness with the light show that we both believe that they're going to do with the led lights and how cool they are and all the flashing. I think if you're have any sort of epileptic epileptic uh, issues, I don't think it's safe. Honestly, would you agree with that? With all the, the craziness they're going to do with it. I mean, I don't know nearly enough about epilepsy to make that. I know, but I mean, they they always say that on televisions and stuff like when there's flashing lights to beware. I guess I guess I'm telling you, if you have eye issues. To beware. Because it's going to be fun for everybody, but it's going to be it's going to be a light show like you would a lot of flashing, changing. Uh, People were making jokes about it on Twitter, and I didn't think it was very funny. And I was like, dude, like that's like not funny. That they need to honestly put a disclaimer out there. Don't you agree? Probably, in some sense. I mean, it depends. I trust that there are enough people in those administrative offices at Oklahoma. Yeah, that, it's probably fair. Uh, it's been run through enough channels that it's probably not going to result in any liabilities. Yeah, you would not think so, but I mean, they also ran out of water last week, so. <laughs> fair <laughs> anyways uh no uh for real in all seriousness and i i'm excited for that i think that is going to be the coolest part about the game outside of you know getting to see some of these younger guys play uh and and, and i guess getting to see what brent venables 
and his staff dial up as far as defense goes uh, this game because last game was bland as can be, and they still were dominant. And, you know, same on the offense. Still dominant, just didn't show a lot. Are we going to get to see a lot of the freshmen that we didn't get to see last week? Like, I want to see more Justin Harrington because when he was out there, it was exciting. No, nothing against Deshaun White. Good player. Justin Harrington's a freak. He almost had two picks, and he literally played like five minutes of football. Like, that's – and I, I Jaron Kanak, that, the blitz that he got where he just got freaking – disembodied and somehow stayed on his legs and his feet and got to the quarterback. That was a freak play. And I want to see more of him. I want to see more Reggie Barnes. Obviously everybody wants to see more Reggie Barnes. He's exciting as heck to watch. And I want to see more Jaden Gibson. I want to see what him and Nick Anderson can do. We heard all about it. I want to hear, I want to see Gavin Salchuk. I want to see that speed. I want to see that speed in the game, game atmosphere. Like, that's what I want to see. It's like, what are you looking most forward to this week? I think much like last week, it's all about, okay, who can step up in a rotational role? Who can make plays with the snaps that they're given? Last week, obviously, we saw Gavin Freeman make the play of the week for Oklahoma with that 46-yard touchdown run. That's an example of a younger guy that got very limited opportunities, right? That was his only touch of the game. And he turned it into a touchdown. Yeah, Freeman too. So good point. Freeman yeah, too. this is this is what the early stage, the early stages of the season uh, are about more than anything else, because you know what your meat and potatoes are as a football team. You know the guys that you can count on. You think, and obviously, guys like Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims, Ethan Downs, Danny Stutzman, Woody Washington in that conversation, but. Can a guy like Jaden Gibson work his way into an expanded role going forward? Can a guy like Javante Barnes step up and prove uh, that he is capable of shouldering a large percentage of the touches in the backfield alongside a couple veterans in Eric Gray and Marcus Major? Can Tyler Guyton continue to make a push for a starting job, one that he potentially has the possibility of sustaining even after Wanya Morris returns from suspension. So it's about those guys to me. It's about the guys that are on the cusp, not quite there in terms of being solidified starters or regular role players for this team, but have the opportunity to get there if they perform well over the course of non-conference play. And look, as things stand right now, it doesn't look like OU is going to be seriously challenged when they go up to Lincoln. Nebraska looks like a bad football team, and it's always a concern when you feel as though the man at the helm has kind of given up. And that's what it feels like with Scott Frost. It feels as though most everyone has surrendered already. You saw that last week when they struggled against North Dakota all the way up until the fourth quarter. So Oklahoma has the next two games, really, to get tuned up for what will be a difficult Big 12 slate. There are going to be some challenges that they have to navigate. That starts immediately on September 24th when they take on Kansas State. TCU is no joke. And if Chandler Morris is at full speed, they're going to present a challenge at AMG Carter Stadium the following week. 
Then, of course, you got Texas. Kansas, you'd figure, would be a layup once again, but heck, it sure wasn't last year. And I think Lance Leipold has that program headed in the right direction. So there's not going to be an easy draw across the Big 12 on this conference schedule. So the next two weeks to me are all about figuring out what you have in your arsenal across the board at each position and who you can trust once things roll over in a conference play. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, they got to start finding those guys and seeing, you know, who is going to be those key guys when and key players when the the lights are the brightest when things are on the line. And uh, I honestly, I I think the only way to do that, as you said, is to play these guys in the Kent State game because guess what. Next week is Nebraska. Now, Nebraska, I'm not hating on them. I'm not saying they're a bad football team. But they haven't shown what everybody expected of them this year. And because of that, I know for you, there's... For people that don't know and that are watching, this is like the anti-Nebraska Cornhusker opposite of me. He's from Nebraska. He grew up around Nebraska Cornhusker fans. Come on, I'm just a realist. You're, That's you may be a realist, but there were still expectations. There were because of how close they lost every game last year. There were expectations that the ad of Casey Thompson, they were going to be better. The ad of uh, O'Shawn, O'Shawn they were going to, yeah, I mean, they were going to be better defensively. So they had, they had reason. They added better personnel than what they lost. So there was reason for it. The uh, the the issue, and you know, God bless him. I'm not trying to rip on him too hard. Is their head coach Scott Frost, <laughs> and he has yet to prove that he can win anything, anything, at Nebraska, and that is why we say the things that we do about them. But still, it is Nebraska. It is a P5 program. You're going on the road. That environment is going to be hostile. The University of Oklahoma is coming to town for the first time in over a decade in Lincoln. That is going to be a raucous crowd. It is going to be insane. The sea of red is going to be loud. So you better have every I dotted, every T cross with every one of your players you feel comfortable with before this Kent State football game is over. This is it. This is it. Outside of Kansas, like you said, outside of well, just Kansas. Kansas is it. And, you know, we and people make jokes about the Big 12, but Kansas is literally the only pushover squad, right? In the whole conference. Everybody else you could lose at any point in time. It isn't it, not they all aren't that bad. So <clears throat> you better have Jaron Kanak ready. Justin Harrington, uh, Javante Barnes, uh, Gavin Freeman, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson. Uh, It doesn't matter. You've got to have your backups ready to go with some sort of playing time in front of a big crowd uh, and even maybe throw them in and see what they can do in crucial points of the game just to get them some reps when – Everything's on the line. Because if you don't, and you throw them in in Nebraska, because 
you know, knock on wood, somebody got, man, I got the hiccups now. Got allergies on top of it. I look like I'm stoned out of my mind because my eyes are like bloodshot and I got hiccups. Ugh. But if you don't do that, bro, it is, you're asking for it with how young this football team is. I mean, I, I, another guy that we heard so much about during this offseason was J.J. Hester, and we saw minimal of him. I saw him a few times. Didn't see him a lot. I think they threw to him twice, maybe. But that was it. Like, I know they're trying to be bland, but they need to get these guys some reps, right? Like, they got to get reps before they start rolling because it goes Nebraska, Kansas State, and then Kansas State to, I can't remember who it was, TCU? TCU. And then to Texas. That is an awful three-game stretch. <laughs> I wouldn't say awful. It's it's tough. not easy. Kansas it, State it, is not easy. TCU is not going to be easy. Oh, At I TCU, it's not going to be easy. Listen, I think there's a decent chance Kansas State is the most formidable opponent Oklahoma faces all year. I think it's them or Baylor. But um, it it is a situation where you would like to get some of those younger guys reps. But I think more than anything else, you have to be confident in your starting 11 on both sides of the ball. And you also have to be mm -hmm. confident in your scheme. And so I, I mentioned it in my pregame column earlier today, and I'll kind of rehash uh, one of the key points that I made, which is I expect Kent state to score some points. And inevitably, if that happens, there will be people that are asking, why on earth is this Brent Venables defense not up to snuff? I expect that Oklahoma, much like they did last week, is going to keep things as base as possible on Agreed. defense because you are not pulling out all the stops against UTEP and you are not pulling out all the stops against Kent State. You may pull a few out of the bag of tricks against Nebraska, but more so than anything else, as you look ahead to that crucial three-game stretch, Kansas State, TCU, Texas, that's where you want to be able to have a couple tricks up your sleeve that nobody has seen yet. And so that oftentimes is going to come at the cost of a shutout earlier in the year. Right? If you have the if you have the choice between shutting out Kent State and being able to go back to the well with 10 or 12 different defensive looks, in a game like the Red River Showdown, uh, and you can pull those looks out, and they aren't on film yet this season, you're obviously going with the latter option because the Kent State game is relatively inconsequential. If your football team does its job on both sides of the ball, and especially if your offense does its job in moving the football, you're going to win the game with ease. It doesn't really matter except in Vegas how much you win the game by. As long as you are in control throughout, there's really no reason to question what goes on on those sidelines and in those headsets. We saw that last week with UTEP, right? Oklahoma could have scored 60-plus points in that game. Oklahoma probably could have pitched a shutout defensively. They were conspicuously on a different level than UTEP, but they were willing to keep things relatively milk toast on both sides of the ball 
particularly on defense. And that came at the cost of UTEP moving the ball a little bit. They knocked on the doorstep of 300 total yards. But guess what? The Sooners surrendered, surrendered in total three scoring drives, 13 points, and the outcome of the game was never in question. Right. That's that's what I look at more than anything else. Not statistics, not the hot take narratives as to what this team looked like to the naked eye. No, I look at game control. Can you control a game, regardless of what that looks like? If that means you win a game by 10 points, but that 10-point deficit is present all throughout, or you win a game by 50 points, and you just mm-hmm. keep stacking and stacking and stacking, can you control a game? That is That goes very understated. And that's one thing that we have not seen from Oklahoma in years past. A couple of phenomenal examples are, at A, the two-lane game last year in the season opener. Then how about, let's just bookend it. You fast forward to the final game of that regular season against Oklahoma State. The Sooners were in position in the third quarter of that football game where they assumed control for a moment. And then they immediately are throwing stuff at their computer screens right now. You, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Game. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with it. I understand, but it's about game control. That's what it's about for Brent Venables in this football team in 2022. Can you do what we haven't seen Oklahoma do for several years? And that is regularly, regardless of the opponent, be able to control the flow and the momentum and the pace of a football game. If you can do that, you're going to win a lot of games. It doesn't really matter what the margins are, what the spreads are, whether or not the betters are pleased with you in Vegas. If you can control football games, you will be successful. Yeah, and I I, I think an interesting point to your your control, I think Lebby's offense is a prime example of that, how they, they love to tempo you, tempo you, tempo you, tempo you. And they do it till you are so uncomfortable that there it, it, you're you're basically anytime you stop them for five yards, you're just delaying the inevitable at that point because they're gonna score. And I, I like what you I like your point on controlling um the pace, the narrative, the the just the game in general. Um uh, and I think, like you said, the Levy's offense is just a, a prime example of what you're discussing because they come out and they just start rolling. And I, I think it was with the second drive on Saturday. Uh, Eric Gray starts off. They start like 98 yards, or I can't remember. It was it was over 90 yards on that second drive. I have the sheet somewhere over here. I just have whatever. Anyways, 92 yards. It was a 92, 92 yard drive. Okay. Yeah. So I knew eight was in there. 100 minus eight is 92. There you go. Um, so 92 yards. They gave the ball to Eric Gray. He busts it for 30 yards, gets them out of having their backs up against the goal line. Uh, I believe they hit Mims deep. They hit Gray again across the middle and then. Uh, oh, yeah, they hit Gray across the middle, and then they hit, or then um, uh, who scored? Uh, Braden Willis on the pop pass later on. So they, but it was like literally a minute and twenty seconds is how fast that 
or like 23 or 30 or something like that. 33 seconds. I know it wasn't over a minute 40 and that's how quickly they scored. And that's, that's how devastating Levy's offense is. And people are going to sit there and say, well, how are you controlling things when you score that quickly and you get your defense back out there? Brent Venom, they've been working on this all spring and all fall camp. They know exactly how to make sure that you're you're controlling the game defensively too. And they they have this thing. Brent Venables is the most task outside of Nick Saban, he's the most task oriented and organized human being I've ever met. He walks around on the sideline folks with a black notepad that he scribbles in little things that he wants to adjust on offense and defense. And he brought it out during the post-game presser. He pulled it out of his back pocket as he's running uh, off the field at halftime, I saw, and started writing at it even more, and then took off running after he did his you know, halftime interview. He brought that thing out. I mean, that that is how organized this dude is. Like, he knows every nook and cranny that is going on on both sides of the ball, and he's calling plays for the most part, on the defensive side. That's impressive. I don't know how the guy does it, but he does. But that's what that's essentially what Parker's talking about, though, is control. Like, how did they control the offense? How did they control the defense? Well, I think it starts up top. When your head coach is in control all the time and knows every little detail that's going on in the game, as a player, don't you feel a lot more confident out there to go out and just do your job because you know those guys are going to put you in the best position. It it re- it releases a lot of anxiety and and fear that a lot of these guys play with of mistakes. Well, the only mistake that these guys are going to make is if they just don't do their job that Brent Venables puts them in. So that that relieves them of a lot of their their problems. It's not just I'm going to say it. It's not just speedy. Just go. I, we just want you to run fast and go 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 get the football. We're going to call this play, but just go get the football. No, there's a reason. There's steps. We watched them do the linebacker stuff, right? And Parker, you can explain it better than I can, how detailed they had to be on every step they took for every different call that they made. Like, if you're off a half a centimeter, you're off in Brent Venable's defense. (laughs) Yeah, he is he is nothing if not meticulous. And to your point about Levy and the offense, man, here's here's what people need to understand. If this offense starts to stall on a regular basis, then we can have the conversation of are they going too fast? Are they getting ahead of themselves? Guess what? With some very rare late game situational exceptions, there is no such thing as a touchdown drive that is too fast. If you're scoring touchdowns, yeah. It does not matter how much time is coming off the clock or not coming off the clock. So spare me that right now. If the offense starts to sputter a little bit as we get into conference play, then we can reopen this book and reinitiate this conversation. But for the moment, I have no problem with the way Levin the offense rolls. And I think, more than anything else, one of the best ways, one of the most effective ways to control a game, Brandon, 
is to score and more specifically to score touchdowns. So if that's the outcome, if that's the outcome of a drive, I don't care if it takes 30 seconds versus seven and a half minutes. The, the objective of offense is to score points. So as long as the Sooners are doing that, I don't view it as an issue. And Mm. until I see with my own two eyes, until I see the Sooners offensive pace start to adversely impact the defense, I'm not going to worry about it doing so because I trust that Venables and this coaching staff know what they're doing and have done enough study and have done enough preparation over the last eight months that they're not going to let that happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I agree with you. But I, I, I was just saying like, you know, that's, that's a lot of people's questions. How can you control that when you're scoring yeah. so fast and the defense is out there so long? Oh, look, they prepared for this. They have prepared for this for the last nine months. Plus they know exactly what they're doing. This isn't Brent Venable's first rodeo rodeo, if you will, uh, little uppity say rodeo, honestly, it's not his first rodeo of this man. Like he went through the fastest team on earth in 2008 <laughs> when they just would go up and down the field on people in literally seconds sometimes. And he did that for, from 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. And Oklahoma fans essentially were upset with his defense then, not realizing and understanding that the more the defense is on the field, there's going to be points given up. But you're still putting up 50 points, so it doesn't really matter if you give up 30. Oklahoma fans understand that now, a decade later, because of everything they went through where they gave up not 30 points, they gave up 60 points. They had to win a game <laughs> 56, 56 or 58, 56, you know, games like that. Like, so I think Oklahoma fans are going to be okay with winning ball games, 55, 20, 55, 30. Like those are going to be games are going to be like, yeah, whatever, man. The di- there are going to be some nitpicking from people. Cause there's always going to be those people that nitpick Parker. Always going to be those people. Oh, we we saw it last week. Last week. I don't think the secondary was very good. What? They gave up 6.8 yards or 5.8 yards a, a pass. It took them 51 attempts to get 288 yards passing. 51 attempts. You throw for 51 times, you damn well better have, what, 500, 400 yards passing? And 51 are close to at least over 400 at that point. Wouldn't you say, Parker, in most cases? Yes. Agreed. So they did They did their job. They kept everything in front of them, and they tackled well. So, And I thought people – I thought that was the one thing that fans were most excited about last week was the tackling. And it was sure tackling. If they come out here and do it in week two, fans are going to be giddy. Because they they're used to seeing dudes just scrap at air <laughs> and just keep going. The same guys that Speed D had last year and the year before and the year before, and they had all this talent, right? Everybody always said, "Oh, they need to recruit better on defense." Bro, there's nothing but four and five stars out there on that defense. 
<laughs> so they better be they better be pretty good. They better be pretty good. They recruited well. They're Oklahoma. Anyways, uh outside of what you're looking forward to most this week, this weekend, what are some of the keys offensively and defensively, in your opinion, for Oklahoma to be in control as you were talking about earlier? Offensively, just say keep up that tempo. You do what you did against UTEP a week ago, Kent State's not going to be able to keep pace. Heck, you saw Michael Penix in Washington and what they did to Kent State a week ago on the offensive side of the football. So if Oklahoma can play efficiently at that pace and Dylan Gabriel can keep the ball out of harm's way, it's very, very simple. But if that's what you can accomplish in this football game, you're going to win and win by a substantial margin. Defense, as, as far as the defensive side, look, just don't show too much. And I trust that Brent Venables and the staff are going to do that. Right? They're going to be able to play effective defense for the most part. Like I said, I expect them to surrender some points. But yeah. in doing so, they're not going to show too much. Right. And when you have such a such an advantage in terms of sheer talent uh, over the other team, then it's only natural that you would try to, especially looking ahead to the opponents that you have in the weeks to come, it's only natural that you would try to keep things as vanilla as possible. And that vanilla word has been thrown around a lot this week, but I fully expect that again. I expect that we're going to see a repeat of the UTEP game in essence. And the Sooners are going to jump out to a big early lead and then just allow themselves to coast the rest of the way. Because the sooner you can get this game over with, the better. The fewer plays you can run as an offense and as a defense, the better. So jump out to that big lead, chew clock. That's the strategy to me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, I agree. I I, like, I think tempo is key, but I, personnel-wise, I want to see, as we said earlier, I want to see more groupings. I want to see... You know, I want to see more Gavin Freeman. I want to see more Jaden Gibson. I want to see more um, JJ Hester, Javante Barnes. I want to see Gavin Selchuk. So I think in that, in, in comes is what you were talking about just a second ago was get the game over with, get some of those guys in. Maybe it's later in the fourth quarter. Maybe it's early in the fourth quarter. doesn't matter. I want to see that. But as far as how they get to that point, I want to see I want to see more Dylan Gabriel. I want to see him let loose and be more in control of his deep ball. He completed one or two on Saturday, but he also missed a few that were just what very first play of the game missed a wide open Marvin Mims. Wide open. Marvin Mims could have stopped ate a jello pudding. 
and caught the ball. That's how wide open he was. Like literally, and there was nobody within like 15 yards of him. So, uh, but he missed him because I think he was just, I think the emotion of the game got to Dylan a little bit early. He was hyped up. He was just amped up to play in front of that type of crowd at the university of Oklahoma. Cause he, he said it, he didn't ever dream of playing here. Like this wasn't, he thought his life was going to football career in college was going to end starting into UCF. And now he's playing in front of 90,000 people, almost every single home game in a P five program in one of the greatest college football programs of all time. You're going to be a little amped up for that, right? Like a little bit, a little bit juiced up when you go into that ball game. And as a quarterback, you can't do that. He knows that. He's been around long enough to know that. But he was because he's human. So I want to see him be a little bit more relaxed. I want to see him be a little bit more in control of things. I want to see the left side of the offensive line be more dominant. I don't want to see the lapses we saw last week. I think if they can iron those two things out, this team becomes really good to great on offense really quickly. Yeah. And the really left side quickly. of the left side of the offensive line is a bit of a concern moving forward. And yeah. I guess all things considered, with Dylan Gabriel being a left-handed quarterback, you would rather have your concerns on the left side of the yes. line as opposed to the right side. You but can see still it. You don't want to be you don't want to be having offensive line issues. You don't want to be having issues up front. And you made a great Wanya point, Morris, by the way. Which is well about people are handedness. people are asking. Well, people are asking about well, why are why they move Anton to right tackle instead of left tackle? Well, right tackle for Dylan Gabriel is essentially what left tackle is for every right-handed quarterback in the in the world. Yeah, and and that's why you want your best guy blindside. And look, Anton Harrison is more of a left tackle than he is a right tackle. But more than that, he is Oklahoma's most physically gifted offensive lineman. I don't know. I don't know if he's the most consistent yet. I think that nod probably goes to Chris Murray. But uh, you think he's more gifted is, than Guyton? Guyton's yes, an athlete, man. It's that close. It's close, but yes. Okay. Um, but you want to have your best offensive tackle protecting your quarterback's blind side, if at all Absolutely. possible. And look, I think the hope at this point is Wanya Moore slots back in at right tackle next week. When the Sooners go up to Nebraska, Anton Harrison can move back to left and you don't have to worry about either of those guys because Wanya Morris is a really good football player in his own right. Then the question oh, becomes, yeah. okay, what of left guard? And again, I think the hope there is that, McCade Mattire just had an off day last Saturday and he can still be the guy moving forward at that position. But maybe we see a little shuffling of the cards over the next couple of weeks. Savion, oh, Jake Taylor, we see Savion Birch. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe we see somebody like Jake Taylor, but uh, I think Savion bird from everything that I've heard. And I know you've heard similar things, Brandon uh, sounds like he has turned some heads, opened some eyes. And that's a guy that, is not going to <laughs> he's not going to stay on the too deep of his own volition. He's going to push somebody. Uh the rest you're talking of the about who are you talking about? Who you talking Savion about? Bird. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Him and yeah. Jake Taylor both had really good fall camps. Yeah. Yeah. And so McCade Matire's margin for error may be shrinking. 
And I think the same can be said for Wanye Morris by virtue of the suspension. However, like I said, your best laid plans are when you go up to Nebraska, Matire has shaken off the doldrums. You have Morris planted at right tackle. You can move Harrison back over to the left and boom, there's your offensive line. And it's a mm-hmm. solid one. It's going to gain headway against the run, going to clear holes for Eric Gray, Marcus Major, and Javante Barnes. And it's going to protect Dylan Gabriel, give him a clean pocket. And you give Dylan Gabriel a clean pocket, he is an accurate enough quarterback that he can really make you pay as a defense. Yep, he's smart. He's going to he's gonna dissect your defense really, really quickly if that's the case. I think for me defensively, obviously, I, I, I want to see more Justin Harrington. I want to see what he does. I said that earlier in the podcast, and I still mean it. I want to see what he does when given the chance to have a good chunk of playing time instead of just fourth quarter playing time. And the reason people ask, the reason why he got fourth quarter is because they had moved him to free safety. He played some corner. He played played some strong. He played so many different positions for them during fall camp that he started getting a little bit confused. Everything started getting a little too big for him. So now that he's just back at the cheetah slash nickel position and he can focus on that, they think that he's going to be a superstar. At some point, when we don't know, that's up to his curve. That's you know him learning. We'll see, but that's how they see it going at this point, and they think his potential is. Uh, I also want to see the the interior defensive line get a little bit more pass rush. I thought that they obviously they were going four on seven. UTEP max protected a lot. Still got six sacks, and you can't get six sacks without the interior of the defensive line getting a good push and helping those edge rushers. Still, I thought there were times that as good as Jalen Redmond was on Saturday, and he was good. If you go back and watch, he was really good. There were times that he could have done a little bit more in the pass rush. Jordan Kelly could have done a little bit more. Kelvin Gilliam could have done a little bit more. And how about that? We've talked so little of that guy, and he had one heck of a game on Saturday. That's a guy that everybody should be excited about because he has a chance to be really good. And when you add how the Oklahoma's recruiting, he's a young buck. He's a redshirt freshman. So there's a lot of talent still still to be on that defensive front, no matter how they who graduates or who leaves. And and here's a quick reminder that Jalen Redmond still has another year. <laughs> That's got to scare the crap out of Big 12, Big 12 opponents. <laughs> If he stays, he's got a kid, so we'll see. Uh, I think he'll probably stay one more year. But here's the thing is, uh, as far as defensive backs go and linebackers, yeah, I, I want to see Connect because, I, I look, I think, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, belittle the other linebackers or anything like that that aren't named Aguebu or Stutzman. But Kanak is a different dude. We saw that in just minimal playing time. And ironically, you're starting to hear some buzz this week that he's getting a little bit more run with the first team and expect him out there a little bit longer. And I'm excited for that because I think he's going to be a difference maker because of his speed, the way he can go sideline to sideline. He's going to be, as long as he can continue to pick up the defense and the understanding and not get lost mentally, 
he has a chance to be special and not just special in years to come, special as a freshman, as a freshman. So I, I that's the type of stuff I want to see this Saturday. Cause I could, I think getting some different personnel in not only will cause some excitement with the fans, I think it's going to cause excitement because of the play on the field, because I think you're adding athleticism to the defense that it's already really athletic, but the guys I named are just freaks. So uh, our Mason Thomas getting him more looks too, obviously is, is key as well. Cause he's, he's special. They, they think he's going to be, what, what, what was it that, what was it that Brent Venable said uh, when I asked that question on, on a Tuesday, what do you call him? Hell on wheels. He's hell on wheels. There you go. There it is. Hell on wheels. There it is. I mean, that that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, what's your what's your final score prediction? 49-24. Oh, you. 49-24. I am going to go 48-17. I actually, oh, I had it. No, I'm going to go 55-17. I'm going to go 55-17. 55-17, Oklahoma. Um, I think that I think Oklahoma is going to come out and be very, very efficient offensively. And I think the 17 points as good as Kent State is offensively. I think a lot of their they're going to get a lot of their stuff in the late in the second half as far as points goes, in my opinion. All right. Before we close this out, recruiting weekend. Oklahoma's hosting Jordan Renaud. He's going to come in on an official visit. They're hosting unofficial. He's a four-star defensive lineman out of Tyler Legacy. I'm going to see him tonight. I'm literally leaving after I load this podcast up for you fans, and I'm driving my butt down five hours to go see Jordan not play to turn back around and cover the game on Saturday. Similarly, Parker's doing almost the exact same thing because he's going to see P.J. Adebore, uh this weekend. Uh, so he's going to leave, go see P.J., turn around, drive back, just like me. Except for I'm going to stay in Dallas. He's got to drive all the way back, poor guy. That's that's crazy. You're crazy. I'm going to go stay in Dallas for a night. I'm going to prop my legs up. Uh, you know, but I'll be there because, go ahead, before we talk about recruiting, tell everybody why they should be listening to KREF from noon to 2 tomorrow. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to be joined, if not for the entire two hours, for a significant portion of the Sooner Game Day show on KREF by one Jackson Arnold, five-star mm-hmm. quarterback commit in the class of 2023. So going to have him on with us from Campus Corner outside of Hertz Donut. Uh, there's a chance he's not the only Sooner commit that jumps on with us as well because I know Caden Green – is going to be in town. He's already said he's going to come by uh, and chat with us for a little while. Uh, Heath Ozida is going to be in town. Uh, we'll see what his timeline looks like and whether he can drop by. Uh, but as as many Sooner commits as we can possibly get in that pregame window from 12 to 2, uh, we're going to have him on with us from Campus Corner. So that is get why Peyton Bowen to join you and Ryan Yates. <laughs> everybody's everybody's making the joke uh, that we're gonna we're gonna end up flipping Peyton Bowen to Oklahoma live on air. I don't know about all that, but um, yeah, Jackson funny. Arnold, Jackson Arnold, gonna be joining me tomorrow on the pregame show, twelve to two. Uh, you'll hear from Caden Green at some point, and like I said, uh, they may not be the only two. So we'll see. 
we'll see where the afternoon takes us. But definitely tune in across the Ref Sports Radio Network tomorrow from 12 to 2. Yep. 1.30, I'll be on with Parker and Jackson um, as well. So uh, to close out the the Parker's little uh, pregame, pregame, pregame show that he does, the pregame P show uh, that he does <laughs> there for, you go. for KREF for KREF every weekend. So y'all should tune in every time that is there. Uh, if it's a night game, he's going to be on 12 to two. If it's a 11 a.m. kickoff, I believe he's on eight to 10. No, what are you on? Eight to no on? Uh, for two 30 kickoffs. Two thirty. You're on from eight 11 to 11 a.m. Kicks. I, I do not, <laughs> I'm not doing any pregame coverage. You're not going to go 6 a.m. <laughs> uh, no, I don't even six know. to eight. Come on, Parker. I don't even know what their plan is for pregame shows if there is when there is an 11 o'clock kickoff because obviously there's one up in Lincoln. It's just that nobody's listening to the radio at 5 a.m., you know, so. Yeah. No, I look, I've been there before, uh, did for a couple of years, did uh, CBS Sports pregame. Uh, it, it, you are. I wish I was as young as you when I started doing it because I couldn't travel because of the pregame shows, like the way to go see the recruits the way I needed to at that time. So they've, they've, they also give you a box to go. So they've, the K ref's been really good to you, man. Like, so that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. What you get to do. Uh, anyway, so back to recruiting real quick, uh, but make sure you tune into K ref Jackson, Arnold, Caden green, Heath Ozida, Maybe Peyton Bowen. You'll get me the last 30 minutes. It's going to, Parker's got it loaded, man. He's got it loaded up for y'all uh, from 12 to 2 on KREF 94.7. If y'all don't know it, or you can get it on the KREF app. And what's the other one? Is it 1400, uh, so 1400 AM? 1400 AM in Norman, uh, 99.3 or 94.7 in Oklahoma City. And then depending on where you are across the state, Where's there the are. Yeah, we we have a fill. I can't remember. I I always it's forget. Like one thousand or something, right? It's eleven hundred. It's it's the buzz. Oh. People in Tulsa will know the buzz. So whatever the buzz is, and I don't know offhand, but uh, kref.com is where you can check out the full list of affiliates across the Sooner State. I believe we have syndicates in Tulsa, in Lawton, in Weatherford, in Clinton. Uh, Woodward, there may be a couple Woodward, perhaps. I don't know. It's a long list, suffice it to say. There's really so basically, not... we're just yeah, we're just naming the towns. So if you guys live in those towns or close to it, start, start, you know, scanning through your, your dials and you'll find it. Yeah. Unless you live out in the panhandle, I really don't think there's a corner of the Sooner State where you don't have at least one frequency where KRF can be heard. Yeah, that's why they're they're quickly taking over folks if you haven't realized that yet um anyways uh <clears throat> so anyways so recruiting 2023 four-star tyler legacy defense alignment jordan renaud it's down between alabama and oklahoma i will be there tonight can't wait to make that drive um that is the worst drive by the way just so you know it the last hour and a half it's just like you do realize we're all driving up to Lincoln next week, right? 
I understand. I I don't even. I may fly just just to spite you guys. <laughs> I actually have to stay in. And here we go, digressing real quick. I have to stay in Omaha. Yeah, I mean, that's where basically everybody's staying. It's seven hundred dollars a night if you want to stay in Lincoln at the Holiday yes. Inn. Yes, and I'm I staying at a you... Kempton for like three hundred and fifty a night because they're jacking their prices up too. It's ridiculous. But I guess they do that every weekend in Nebraska because that's the big thing going on. And I get is Omaha only like forty five minutes from Lincoln? Yeah, it's about forty minutes. Yeah. I'm staying at my parents' house, zero dollars a night. Oh, that's for you. Um, let me ask you this real quick before we actually get into recruiting talk. Is is there towns or is it like is is there any country between like no no towns between uh or is it basically all just suburbs between lincoln and omaha yeah it's pretty much all suburbs uh there's there's gretna there's waverly and then you're pretty much to lincoln so there's a brief spell of time or maybe for about 10 or 15 minutes where you're in the cornfields essentially but now there's there's quite a bit on that stretch of I eighty between Omaha and Lincoln. Okay, cool. No, I don't feel so. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too worried about it. Then good. All right. Um. Anyways, back to Jordan Not for the third time. <laughs> it's a 2023 four star Tyler Legacy uh, defensive lineman Jordan Nod will be taking his official visit this weekend. It's Alabama at Oklahoma. That's what it's down to. People think Alabama's trending. There's other people that think Oklahoma's trending. Oklahoma will have gotten the last two visits. His last two visits he's taken was a three-day visit to Oklahoma for the party in the palace, unofficially, unofficially, and then a two-day official visit to Oklahoma this weekend for the Kent State game. So he's going to leave straight from that game and drive up to Norman that night. Here's the key. His mom will already be in norman before he gets there she is arriving early to hang out with the coaching staff i don't think she's been up there very much so they want to get her one-on-one they want to really sell her on the university of oklahoma they've got jordan they've got the dad in his corner logistically location wise oklahoma everybody kind of wants him at oklahoma however it's jordan's decision jordan loves the University of Alabama. He loves what they've done to the defensive line, all that. It's up to Oklahoma to, and Todd Bates, Brent Venables, uh, Jay Valai, who's also really crucial in this recruitment, was his recruiter at Alabama before he came to Oklahoma. Relationship-wise, Oklahoma, all day, every day, they've got this thing. It's getting Renaud to believe that they can do the same things that Alabama can do. Obviously, they can because of what they did at Clemson. But the kid has to believe it. So this weekend, this visit is huge for Jordan Renaud. He's also going to have Caden Green, Jackson Arnold, Ito Zaida, Jacoby Johnson, Eric McCarty. They're all coming in to really pitch Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates, Potentially, he's expected on campus. He's expected on campus. 
and um and uh um obviously Jordan or not. Those are the three guys that they're really pushing. Now there's buzz that there's some 2024 guys coming in with Eli Bowen as well. I uh, heard Jaden Hardy may be in town, uh, 2024 four-star safety from Louisville. I've heard there's some there's some dudes coming up. So uh, it, it's not going to be just your run-of-the-mill like it was last week as far as just recruiting going on in this uh, for this weekend. It, there's going to be some cats in town that are going to be crucial for Oklahoma's future offensively and defensively. What – have you heard anything, any other guys that may be showing up that I did not name? I have not. Uh, that's about the sum of it. Again, the big fish this weekend are Renaud, the Bowen brothers, and Ryan Yates. But, uh, yeah, out, outside of those guys, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you'll have some, uh, you'll have some unofficial visitors here and there. There are always a couple that surprise us that, uh, nobody really knew were coming in or that just kind of made a spur of the moment trip. So be curious to see who some of those, uh, individuals are, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's a pretty simple drill this week. You close on Jordan Renaud, you do your best, uh, to make sure that Peyton Bowen's visit to A&M the following week doesn't happen. And with so many commits on campus, like you mentioned, McCarty, Caden Green, Ozida, Jacoby Johnson, and of course, Jackson Arnold. Uh, you got a whole bunch of Sooners in these guys' ears. And so uh, yep. we know that uh, obviously, like you like you mentioned, Oklahoma will have gotten the last two visits from Renaud. Tend to feel pretty good about that one, especially with all his peers influencing him this weekend. At that point, it's about Bowen and it's about Ryan Yates. And whether you can finally, finally break down the door with those two, because it seems increasingly apparent that Oklahoma's getting close. They're getting there. They're right on the cusp. Just haven't been able to completely batter it down yet. So we will see what kind of progress the Sooners can make this weekend with that pair. That's about where things stand. Uh, heading into what is probably the biggest visit weekend of the fall as it pertains to uncommitted guys. Uh, obviously, the Kansas game is going to be pretty significant. The Oklahoma State game, uh, Bedlam, that's going to be pretty significant as well. But this is a big, big recruiting weekend early in the year for Oklahoma and has the potential to generate some very, very lucrative returns. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I we'll just kind of hint, I'm going to have some information on the other big weekend. People think it could be Bedlam, but I don't think it's going to be Bedlam. That is the other big weekend for Oklahoma this, this no, year. So I'm going to have some, no, uh, I, look, Bedlam's going to be a big weekend. They're going to have a bunch of guys there for that game, but I'm telling y'all there's another weekend that could be a little bit more big, if you will. Uh, and it'll be sooner rather than later, I think, is the key for that. Nice. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking Kansas State or anything like that. But in in the month of September, 
But I'm going to have the notes for you on OU Insider VIP. So if you're not on OU Insider VIP, you need to join. 30% off right now, $75. Get you one year of OU Insider plus all of 247. Steve Wiltfong, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, Alan True, Gabe Brooks, uh, Andrew Ivins, Brian Doan. I'm trying to think of other guys. Uh, Blair Ungolo. That it? That's all our national guys. That that's like eight, nine of them. There's more of them, I, but you get all of them. The point being is you get every stinking one of those national guys. You get all 250 VIP sites on 24/7 Sports for that $75. Just $75. Literally, it's not that much for a whole year. You're you're saving money because if you do still, if you do that one dollar for the first month, nine ninety five afterwards, that's over a hundred dollars in a year that essentially adds up to what you would pay if you paid the full price. But that's the key. When you pay the full price of $108 or whatever it is for OU Insider after your full first full year, because when you're on the promo, $75, it doesn't count. After the first year, you get Paramount Plus with it. So you join us, you stay for a year, Paramount Plus comes for free. So essentially you're getting $220 plus in value for $108 after one year of OU Insider and 24-7 Sports. That is a deal. That is a deal. We've had so many people join us over the last four months. Uh, the graph is just like straight up, and it's awesome because you Sooner fans make it happen. You guys create the job for us to do. You create the audience for us, and we in turn create the content but we wouldn't be doing it because if you guys weren't on our board, I promise you, we wouldn't be going to see PJ Adabari tonight or, or going to see uh, Jordan Renaud before he goes and takes his official visit. Those things don't happen. If you're not on OU insider, or if you're not clicking the site, we're on pace for 20 plus million page views this month in September. That will be a record for September. The last time I think last year it was like, 18, 17 million, but 20 plus million page views in a month for September. Those are October, November, December type months for us, not September. Again, that is you Oklahoma fans. We are so blessed to be able to do that for you guys. So very blessed. And we can't thank you guys enough. So if you guys want to come join us, it's $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards if you want to go month to month, or... You can do $75 up front. It's 30% off right now. $75. Get you a whole year of OU Insider. Get you Q&As with Parker and me. We answer questions every day on the board. We talk to you guys every day on the board. We're the most accessible beat writers that you'll find. We do spaces, Twitter spaces for you guys. We do YouTube lives for you guys. We do all that for free as a thank you for everything that you guys have done for us on OU Insider VIP. But you don't get the information on those things that you're going to get on OU Insider VIP. You don't get those informations on the podcast that you do on OU Insider VIP. It's just how it works. The paying members get the majority of it. The, they are in the know more than you know, if that makes sense. Uh, so we hope you guys join us. Uh, we can't wait. We are at an all-time high of members, and we've become one of the biggest 24-7 sites. Again, thanks to you guys. Uh, and we're so blessed. We love it. We can't wait to see where you all take us and what we can do for you guys in return uh, over the next two or three years, even this year. 
Um, and we have some big plans for you all. We have big plans. So if you guys want to join us, please do. Uh, lots of recruiting information. Parker's on there. Myself. Uh, Brian Brian Bishop goes on there every now and then and drops uh, what he knows because he's got a lot of connections being uh, one of the donor guys. Um, you have uh, Steve Wilfong dropping notes all the time. Andrew Ive. Like, we got all these guys. Every day there's a note, whether it's team information, and we drop a lot of team or recruiting information you won't find anywhere else but on OU Insider. Every stinking day information's dropped. Not once, not twice, not three times a week. Every day there's information for you guys to read. Multiple, multiple notes for you guys. And that's how we want to continue to roll. And as long as you guys are doing that and you guys are joining us, we will continue to do so. So thank you guys so much uh, for joining us on this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. Parker, you got anything else? I got nothing else. I'm going to go do three hours of radio and then get right on the road to Kansas City. So... All right. Well, I'm going to load this podcast up for you all, and I'm going to get on the road to Tire Legacy. So thank you guys so much for watching this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Strangers podcast. For Parker Thune, my name is Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed night. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.